I still love the lion at the end. That's not my stomach growling, that's a lion, you know. How are we doing, community of faith? <clears throat> All right, y'all are more awake than the last service. If you're at home, I just wanna tell you we are so glad that you are online watching us, but I also want to encourage you to come on up here if you know, you're pretty healthy and you're able to do that. We've got a little bit of space around. You can still socially distance or you can sit over there by Laura and me. No one ever wants to sit on that row. So uh, come and, and be a part with us. I am so excited about our prayer time on Wednesday nights. We've been having prayer on Wednesday nights. It's just super simple. Just Laura and me and uh, you guys. And we've just seen miracles happen as we've been praying over people. I know Matt's in this service. We uh, were back in my office. We prayed over Matt and um, they said he had a big tumor in his, in his head. And um, I anointed him with oil. The, the Bible says, come to the leadership of the church and let them anoint you with oil and pray over you and watch miracles happen. And there's nothing magical about the oil. I always tell you that, you know, uh, but it's what the Bible says to do. And what it, <clears throat> it symbolizes is they used to set apart kings and priests, little babies unto God. And it says, every minute of the rest of your life is dedicated to God. If it's five days or it's 50 years, the rest of it's God's. And then you watch what God wants to do with the rest of your life. Well, when we prayed over Matt, um, we were really concerned. But as he got to the doctor after they had told him it was this big tumor, ends up that the doctor's looking at it again uh, as they're doing stuff. And he goes, it's just fluid now, you know? So uh, it was like, I don't know if it was, you say, well, maybe it was fluid before. Maybe it was, and maybe it wasn't, right? But they were able just to drain it off and Matt's doing really good. So Matt, we're glad you're here with us. Um, a couple of Wednesday nights ago, three, I think, Wednesday nights ago, I was praying over some of you and anointing you with oil. And I got to Bob, who's my friend that has been coming from for a while. Um, and um, he said to me, I wanna have my funeral here at Community of Faith. And he felt like he was about ready to have that done. He had been having chemo, it wasn't going well. And uh, I said, well, I'm gonna pray over you. I'm gonna anoint you with oil. And so I got the oil and I put it on his head in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And of course, my friend, Bob, he's a character. She so goes, it's burning, you know? And, and I said, Bob, it's not holy water, right? Okay, but I'm not surprised it's burning you, you know? But he called Laura, she was in San Francisco uh, this past week and he called her up and he said, you're not gonna believe, you're not gonna believe, you're not gonna believe what happened, he said, they, they don't even see it in my lymph nodes anymore and my tumor has shrunk down so small and it hadn't been responding to anything but so small that they're gonna take it out with microsurgery. And so I thought, that's a pretty cool God thing. God's doing some stuff, right? I want you to be there. We've seen uh, kids that have been far away from God come back to God as we prayed over them. We've seen all kinds of miracles. I'd love for you to be there at seven o'clock on Wednesday night. If you'd like to be, we'll pray and we'll watch what God does together. God doesn't do anything except an answer to prayer. And he loves for us to pray. We'll talk more about that maybe a little bit next week. The sermon that I, I'm speaking today is not a, a normal uh, COF sermon necessarily, if you're here for the very first time, because I know we have people that come from all kinds of backgrounds. Uh, even a lot of you come in and you, you say, I'm kind of agnostic trying to figure it all out, we're, we're talking about end times. 
And maybe you're here, you know, I don't even know if I, I believe in that. I don't, you know, usually the messages are about what can you do today when you go home and uh, to make your family better, to, to be a better husband, wife, you know, how to raise your kids, how to walk with God. And, and this one is about the great tribulation, okay? But I think God has something for us and I don't want you to miss it. it it's a pretty tough passage. We've been in Daniel and, uh, you know, as we've been going through Daniel, we, we were thinking we would just stop after Daniel in the lion's den. There's a lot of good things to talk about there, but God just impressed on Wes, on our teaching team, that uh, we just need to go all the way through to the very end. And God tells Wes stuff sometimes, you know? And then Wes gave me the hardest passage. So um, I don't know if God told him to do that or not, but we're gonna do it. All right, here's my question. Will your faith survive the tribulation? Now, the tribulation is in the Bible in a lot of different places. It's talking about as things begin to wrap up, there's going to be a great tribulation. John in Revelation sees it. Daniel here in these passages, Paul in Thessalonians talks about it. And you know, Jesus also talks about it. And so I think it's really important that, that we know about it. Daniel's vision from God of the end times, a vision of the Antichrist. And here is what he sees. We'll start uh, in chapter 11 here in a minute. But in 10 and 11 of Daniel, he goes through what's to come over the next few hundred or thousand years. And it's amazing how accurate it is. In fact, some uh, liberal theologians think Daniel... It's too accurate. It must have been written later because he gets all of these things. They're looking, someone's looking back and just saying that he's Daniel, but there are too many things that uh, prove that it was written at this time. Even the, the language that he used wasn't used at a later date. It was only used now, the grammar and the syntax and the way it's done. But he goes through the reign of Ahasuerus who was part of the Persian empire. He talks about Alexander the Great in the Greek empire. He talks about the Ptolemies of, of Egypt. He talks about Antiochus the Great and Antiochus Epiphanes, the Roman Empire. And then time skips, as it seems to do so often in Bible prophecy, all the way to the end of time as we know it, the time of the Antichrist. And let me just uh, read you a little bit from chapter 11, start with verse 31, a little bit of that. It, Quite a few verses, but interesting, okay? His, the Antichrist, armed forces will rise up to desecrate the temple fortress, will abolish the daily sacrifice. Then they will set up the abomination that causes desolation. With flattery, he will corrupt those who have violated the covenant, but the people who know their God will firmly resist him. I like that part. Verse 33, those who are wise will instruct many. Though for a, who's wise? It's the believers. Though for a time they will fall by the sword or be burned or captured or plundered. When they fall, they will receive a little help and many who are not sincere will join them. I don't really like those verses quite as much, right? Some of the wise will stumble so that they may be refined, purified, made spotless until the time of the end for it will still come at the appointed time. You know what I kind of like about that? Some of us are gonna stumble and God still loves us just as much and he uses our stumbling to make us all that he wants us to be. That's kind of incredible, isn't it? The God that we serve. Because a lot of us think, 
uh, you know, we're going to stumble and God's going to go, well, that's ridiculous, and then stomp us out or something, right? No, he loves us. You're his little girl. You're his little boy, and he loves you. We're going to see a lot about that. Chapter 12, verse 1, at that time, Michael, Michael's uh, one of the great angels of God, the great prince who protects your people will arise. There will be a time of distress such as has not happened from the beginning of nations until then. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book will be delivered. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens. Those who lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, roll up and seal the words of the scroll until the time of the end. Many will go here and there to increase knowledge. Then I, Daniel, looked, and there before me stood two others. So this angelic being is talking to Daniel, and then he sees two other angelic beings. One on this bank of the river, one on the opposite bank. One of them said to the man clothed in linen, the one that had been talking. It might be a pre-incarnation of Jesus. It appears like it, like it is. He, you know, he showed up sometime, even in the Old Testament. One of them said to the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the river, how long will it be before these astonishing things are fulfilled? The Bible talks about how angels, they don't understand it either. They don't know all that. Only God knows what's gonna happen. And the angels long to look into it. So they're asking him, the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the river lifted his right hand and his left hand toward heaven. And I heard him swear by him who lives forever saying it will be for a time, times and half a time. As we judge from the rest of Daniel, that would equal three and a half years. It's gonna be really difficult. There's three, two, three and a half year periods of the tribulation. When the power of the holy people has been finally broken, did you get that? All these things will be completed. I heard, but I did not understand. So I asked my Lord, what will be the outcome of all this? He replied, go your way, Daniel, because the words are rolled up and sealed until the time of the end. Many will be purified and made spotless and refined, but the wicked will continue to be wicked. None of the wicked will understand, but those who are wise will understand. As for you, go your way till the end, you will rest and then at the end of the days, you will rise to receive your allotted inheritance. We look at that and we go, well, is this truly be real? But then we skip over to the New Testament, to the words of Jesus. And Jesus is telling us about the same time. He says in Matthew 24, he says, there'll be a great tribulation, such as not been from the beginning of the world until now and never will be. And then we skip over to Luke and Jesus says this, there will be upheavals of every kind. Nation will go to war against each other, kingdom against kingdom. There will be terrible earthquakes and seismic events of epic proportion that results in famines in one place after another. There'll be horrible plagues and epidemics of COVID. Now you didn't put COVID in there cataclysmic storms on the earth and astonishing signs and cosmic disturbances in the heaven. But before all this happens, you will be hunted down and arrested, persecuted by both civil and religious authorities and thrown into prison. And because you follow me, 
You'll be on trial before kings and governmental leaders as an opportunity to testify to them in my name. Yet determine in your hearts not to prepare for your own defense. Simply speak with the words of wisdom that I will give you in that moment. And none of your persecutors will be able to withstand the grace and wisdom that comes from your mouths. You can expect betrayal, even by your parents. This is Jesus talking. By your brothers, your relatives, and your friends. And yes, some of you will die as martyrs. You will be hated by all because of my life in you. But don't worry, my grace will never desert you or depart from your life. Stand firm with patient endurance and you will find your soul's deliverance. Well, let's go eat at Bucky's and go home. And no, you look at that and you're like, okay, pastor, that doesn't sound great at all. No, it's gonna be really, really, really difficult. One of our jobs as pastors is also to be prophets to you and to prepare you for what's to come. Jesus said this, when the son of man returns, will he find faith on the earth? Because a lot of people are gonna fall away. They're gonna say, where's God in this? What's going on now? Why isn't God, doesn't he care about us anymore? I mean, look at all the stuff that's happening to us. We're hunted down like animals. God knows it's gonna be hard, really, really hard. And here's the thing I love about God. He always throws us a lifeline. He doesn't say things are gonna be hard, suck it up, you know, suck on a rock and whatever, you know? He says, I wanna throw you a lifeline. He knows the war and the, the, the storms against us will come in great fury. In fact, it was interesting to me as I was studying this, a lot of mainline pastors and theologians, I mean, just regular people, they feel like we're right at the cusp of the great tribulation. Everything that needs to happen for the tribulation to take place has happened. That's never been true before, but it's true now as you look at all the prophecies. In fact, one guy was even saying he feels like we've moved into the first months of the great tribulation already. Now that was interesting to me. I don't know about that. I'm not one of those guys that, you know, some people are more sure of themselves than I am. I just say, God, I don't know for sure what's happening, but I hear your word. And so God in the book of Hebrews, he throws us a lifeline. And he says, here's what, in the middle of all this, here's what I want you to know. Here's what I want you to do. Among men, it's customary to swear by something greater than themselves. And if a statement is confirmed by an oath, that's the end of all doubting and controversy. So in this matter, God wishing to show beyond doubt that his plan was unchangeable, confirmed it with an oath. You know, when we go to court, what happens? You put your hand on the Bible, at least in some courts still, right? And you say what? I swear, because you're scared, supposed to be scared of God, right? To tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help me God. Now, that doesn't seem to work very good anymore because most people aren't that afraid of God, so then they lie and do whatever they're gonna do anyway, right? But it, it's so interesting that, that God says, I'm gonna swear this, this is important. I want you to hear this. 
So it goes on to say, so that by two immutable, utterly immutable, which means unchangeable, like rock-like things, the word of God and the oath of God, God who cannot lie, we who are refugees from this dying world might have a source of strength and might grasp the hope that he holds out to us. This hope we hold as the utterly reliable anchor for our souls, fixed in the very certainty of God himself in heaven, where Jesus has already entered on our behalf, having become, as we have seen, high priest forever. Now, this passage in the book of Hebrews in the New Testament is referring back all the way to Genesis. And it's all the way back to when God talks to Abraham about how his plan of salvation is gonna be worked out in the world. And he's saying, I need you to know, Abraham, I'm gonna be faithful. I'm gonna be faithful to this. My purpose will be done. I'm sovereign no matter what it looks like. Here's what he said in Genesis chapter 22 to Abraham. I solemnly swear by my own name, decrees the Lord. I will indeed bless you. I will greatly multiply your descendants so that they will be countless as the stars in the sky or the grains of sand on the seashore. And from your descendants, all the peoples of the earth will receive the true blessing. He's referring to Jesus, who was born as a little Jewish boy and died for all of the world. Now, it's interesting to me because in this passage in Hebrews, we see the incredible love of God. He's saying things are gonna get really, really, really hard. And you need to know that. And if you don't know that, you're not gonna be ready for that. We see the unbelievable humility of God. And, and, and you know, the, you know that, that shouldn't be overlooked because as you begin to think about that, you, you, you see so many different things that the Bible is talking about that are, that, that, are, that are gonna be so, so hard. Like Jesus said, you can expect betrayal even by your parents, your brothers, your relatives, your friends. You're gonna be hated because of my life in you. Did you hear all of that? And so God is telling us, but my plan is still working. And he comes down to the courtroom of our mind, this God of the universe humbles himself and he swears an oath. It's almost like, imagine in your mind, God comes to your mind and he says, with his hand on the Bible, his word, I promise, I swear that this is the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. So help me, me, right? I mean, that's pretty much what he's saying. And as as you look at that, you think, well, wow, that's really something. Um, God wants us to know it's real important. In fact, he's kind of desperate for us to know, if you could call God desperate, how much he loves us and he hasn't forgotten us. And when things get really rough, his promises will stand. They still stand. 
you know, as we begin to look at that and we see the extreme lengths, even humiliating lengths that, that, that God would go to to assure us that his purpose for us is good. He's wanting to assure us. And God's calling right now to double check. We need assurance. We need assurance, don't we? It might be impossible for God to lie, but it's not impossible for people to lie, is it? Certainly not. People have lied to us. They've broken promises. I mean, some of you stood at an altar with another person and you made vows under God to one another and that's been broken. Sometimes a business partner has made promises to you and that's been broken. We have so many things. Some of you are going through not the great tribulation, but a a huge trial and tribulation right now. And you're saying, God, are you even here? Do you even care? I mean, where are you right now? It seems like you're a million miles away. Do you see what's going on with me? Do you understand what's going on with me? I talked with a, a friend a while back and she had recently found out that her husband had been unfaithful. And she said, Mark, I... I don't think I trust God anymore. She said, my dad was not faithful. Every man that I've ever known in my life has not been faithful. And now I've thought I finally found a good Christian guy and we've walked together these years and he's not faithful. I don't even feel like God is faithful. I feel like God has betrayed me. And you could say trite things in that moment, you know, like, well, you know, God works all things together for good. Don't you hate it when people do that? I mean, that's true, but that's not the time. When someone does that to me, when I'm in a really difficult time, and well, you know, and they say some, you know, pious platitude, you kind of want to punch them in the throat, don't you? I mean, come on, be honest. I mean, I'm a pastor, so I wouldn't punch you in the throat. I would get Wes to punch you in the throat, but... um, (laughs) She was betrayed. If you don't have a trustworthy earthly father, I found, it's really hard to trust your heavenly father. Some of you know that, that's your story. And I get it, I get it. It's especially hard to believe in the heart of our heavenly father. Our history can make it so difficult for us to believe anyone, even God. But God is not like people. In this sense, he's foreign to our experience. It it sounds like a simple thing. If I was gonna ask you, do you believe that God can lie? All of us would say, no, God cannot lie, right? I think everyone in this room would probably say, no, God doesn't lie. But when you dig down into your heart of hearts, you're having a really hard time trusting him right now, right? Where is he? What's he doing? Does he care? Is he here? See, we need the help of the Holy Spirit to really live in that deep and life-changing belief that God doesn't lie, that it's impossible for him to do so. God will not deceive you. You may think he has deceived you, but he has not. You see, he says that my ways are higher than your ways. You'll never understand them. God's moving, God's working. Even in the midst of all of this, 
If it feels like he's a million miles away, if you're a believer, if you stepped into this journey with Jesus full out and said, I'm following you, Jesus, with all of my heart. If it feels like he's a million miles away, that's your emotions lying. God hasn't moved. Circumstances can look like he lies, but he never lies. He hasn't moved. Do you truly believe that God's purposes for you, his heart for you, is good. You see, you're his little girl and he loves you with all that he is. And he's gone to crazy lengths to show us, I mean, dying on a cross to take your place, to take your sin. I mean, he loves you so much, little girl, little son of his. If it feels like he's a million miles away right now, it's a lie. It's not true. He's Right there, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Who God is grounds our hope in his promises. Listen to what Romans 8 says. What shall we say to these things? What things? All this trial and persecution. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? God says, it doesn't look like it right now. It doesn't feel like it right now. You can't see it right now. But I swear by all that I am, it's true. I know what I'm doing. I know what's going on. I'm sovereign. I'm Lord. My plan is unfolding. Nothing can stop it. And even my plan for you, you say, but God, I I stumbled. I let you down. I know your plan can't be working for me because I just fell on my face in the mud. And you grew up in a home with performance-based acceptance where if you'd fallen in the mud like that, that'd have been an awful thing in your family. But see, you don't know God because what does God do when you fall in the mud? He picks you up and he washes you off, and he dusts you up. Just gets all that dirt and all that mud off of you and goes, come on, little girl, keep walking. Don't stop yet. Come on, son. It's not over yet. Story's not over yet. You're still breathing. I still got plans. I'm still working. Come on, you stumbled. You fell on your face. I'm gonna purify you and make it right, and I'm gonna do something in you that you can't, Even believe, if you'll believe that my heart towards you is good, I'll never give up on you. I'll complete the work that I started in you. See, God humbles himself and leans down because he knows us. And when trials come and and the winds rage and, and the fury of the storm comes against us, it's so easy to go, God, where are you now? American religion is not, Christianity. Lots of churches can fill up with people and we can talk about how God wants you to be comfortable and live the American dream. And do you hear what Jesus, does that sound like the American dream? See, we get upset. Everybody's betrayed us. Where is God? Well, I remember Jesus said everybody was gonna betray us. You remember that part? No, I don't wanna remember that part. I thought he said, I've come to give you abundant life. He did in the midst of all the betrayal and all the things that are going on. 
So he provides us exactly what we need. What's that, a miracle? Maybe. But sometimes we need something bigger than a miracle. Mark, what's bigger than a miracle? An anchor. An anchor. That's what, that's what this Hebrews verse says. It says, it's so amazing, you gotta see it. So that by two utterly immutable, did you get that? Utterly immutable, utterly unchangeable, something that can never even move an inch. It stays exactly the same forever. Two utterly immutable things, the word of God and the oath of God who cannot lie. We who are refugees from this dying world might have a source of strength and might grasp the hope that he holds out to us. This hope we hold as an utterly reliable, words again, anchor for our souls, fixed in the very certainty of God himself in heaven where Jesus has already entered and become our high priest. See, the the truth is everybody in this world has an anchor. We all anchor somewhere. The only question is, where's your anchor? What is it attached to? And will it hold? If your anchor is in your money or your stocks or all of that, the Bible says the riches are gonna dwindle. Said that. What will you do when the money runs out? If your soul's anchored to your spouse, what are you gonna do if your spouse passes away or is unfaithful? If your soul's anchored in your career, what about when they downsize or COVID comes and all this craziness and what's going on? And God, I thought you were blessing my business, blessing my business now. Where are you, God? He says, I haven't moved at all. I haven't moved at all. Little son, little daughter, I'm right here. I love you just as much. There's nothing that you have to do to prove yourself to me. There's nothing that you have to do to say, Oh, the American, you know, so a lot of people, they look around and they say, that guy's so comfortable. He's got the blessings of God on him. Look at all that. Everything's going good for him. And they don't realize this is boot camp. God's teaching us and training us. And he wants us to rule and reign. We're gonna see it in a moment forever with him. And if you're in boot camp and it's easy, you're probably, maybe you're gonna end up being a clerk behind a desk or something. But if you're an army ranger, or a Navy SEAL, or someone on the cutting edge, how's that boot camp gonna feel? Yeah, not so good. So maybe we should flip it around and go, hmm, God must not have a very big job for that guy over there. But I must, he must have something big for me because my life is in the toilet right now. You see God working? Have you ever felt God working? When the economy tanks, Is God working? Proverbs 10 says this, the the wicked are blown away by every stormy wind, but when tribulation comes, the trusters of God have a secure anchor. See, we need to place our anchor to rest in a place where it can't be moved. And that's what God, he says, I wanna offer you that, that anchor. You see, the problem, everything in this world moves. And what happens is we'll put our anchor down in something, oh, it's my great husband. And he lets us down and he fails and he stumbles and he's unfaithful. 
And he goes off with that other woman and our anchor. It's just a huge disappointment. So we'll move it over here. I'll move it into my kids. And that's so difficult. You know, sometimes some of the, the parents that bug me the most are the ones that only had one kid and that's a compliant kid that just, oh, I just love to do whatever you ask me to do, mom and dad. I mean, there are kids born like that. You don't, not, maybe in your family, you didn't know that. But there are kids that do that. And those parents that have that one kid like that, they bug me to death. Because if they would have just had one more kid, that kid would have come out of the womb chomping on a cigar going, I dare you to make me do anything, right? And some of you go, why did I, I got all those kids. All my kids are chomping on, you know, it's like, what's the deal with that? You can't anchor in your kids. When we anchor to earth, we're disappointed because nothing works the way we want it to work. And our disappointments will never end. Keep looking for that place to drop anchor. So we change spouses and we change churches and we change jobs and we, Oh, the anchor, I'm gonna get it in a real good place here in just a minute. And we're always looking for some harbor worthy of our anchor. That was Cain's curse. You remember Cain? Way back at the beginning of time, Adam and Eve had two sons, Cain and Abel. Cain was the oldest. He got really angry at Abel and he killed him with a big rock. First murder in the world that ever happened. And God says, Cain, you are cursed. You will be a wanderer on the earth. You'll never find an anchor. You'll never be able to anchor. You're just gonna wander from one place to another. Listen again to that verse. This hope we hold as the utterly reliable anchor for our souls fixed in the very certainty of God himself in heaven where Jesus has already ended on our behalf having become as we have seen high priest forever. When we anchor in heaven, it frees us up to do something. It means that we can deal with difficulties and disappointments and trials because we're anchored in the very character of God who says, no, it's not performance-based acceptance, little one. I love you unconditionally. You don't have to prove anything to me. And I've got a work that I'm doing in you. And I promise you, I'll finish it. I'll complete it. Something amazing happens. We can drop our earthly anchor in imperfect harbors even when storms come and we're still secure. He says, I want you to grab this lifeline. It says in that verse, grasp the hope that he holds out to us. I swear by myself, little girl, that I love you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will never abandon. I swear by myself, little son of mine, I'll never leave you. Oh, is it the great tribulation? Parents betraying children, brothers betraying brothers, friends betraying friends. Everyone hates you. And yes, Jesus said, some of you will die as martyrs but it's okay because we have an anchor in God himself. He's doing something. I love you and my plan cannot be thwarted. The plan that I have for you, the plan that I have for salvation for this whole earth. Tribulation is coming when riches dwindle, friends fail, health declines, difficulty, persecution, trial. But the word of God and the promises of God stand 
And one of the greater truths in this is that he's holding on to us. I mean, we're anchored, but it's like the, the, the chain goes around us and holds us to him. His hands are around us too, so that even when we fall, he doesn't pull the anchor away. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. It's secure. We're anchored to God in heaven. It's immovable. His word, he's the God of the universe. He's immovable. His plan is unshakable, unchangeable. It will be done. When our grip starts to slip and we think everything's gonna be lost, we discover that it really was him holding us all along. That's the father that we have. Do you know him that way? It's not hard to trust that. It's really hard to trust the guy in the sky that's looking down on you like, oh, you messed up over here and you messed up over here and you messed up. You're never gonna measure up, are you? That might've been an earthly father, but that's not your heavenly father. What we learn in the Bible is that eternity is all around us. It's just on the other side of the door. There's an invisible door. You open it up and eternity is right there. The angels are all, we can't see them, but just on the other side of the door, just one more step, little one. Come on a little closer. You're almost there. Just come and open the door, open the door. You can't see me, but I see you in your pain, in your trial, in your tribulation. See, we give our lives over to Jesus and we have this anchored hope. It's deep in the very being of God and his majesty and his goodness and his all powerful presence and his sovereignty that nothing can stop what he's doing in his tenderness and his unchanging love for you, little boy, little girl. Jesus talks about that door in Revelation, when they begin to talk about the great tribulation and he's talking to a church. We might be right at the door of the great tribulation. I don't know. It might be the door of the greatest tribulation that mankind will ever face. Daniel, Jesus, both said, there's never been a time like it, nor will there ever be. That doesn't sound like a load of fun to me. But he says this in Revelation to the church, chapter three, behold, I stand at the door. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into them and will be with them every difficult moment. They will be at home with me. And then he goes on to say, the one who overcomes, I will grant the right to sit down with me on my throne as I also have overcome and I have sat down with my father on his throne. If you have an ear, hear me, what I'm saying to the church. Next week, we're gonna talk about some really specific ways that we do this, that we move toward Jesus. Back in this time, they used to have a special anchor called a kedging anchor. And that kedging anchor, it was one where if they were in stuck and it was stormy and the winds were blowing all different directions and not working out right, that they would take this kedging anchor and they would put some sailors in a little rowboat 
with the anchor and the chain and they would row it out, sometimes as far as a mile in front of the boat and they would drop it onto something secure, some, not the sand, but some rock, something that was really secure. And then the rest of the sailors on that ship, because it's getting tossed all around, they would begin to pull that chain, all of them, link by link by link, they would move the boat and it would move toward the safe harbor. Link, it was a lot of work, it was really tough. Those links are the promises of God. 7,000 of them in the Bible. It's praying together and claiming them and standing in them. Maybe right now, you say, Mark, I don't know if there's gonna be a great tribulation in my lifetime or not, but I'm going through some stuff right now. And I'm kind of mad at God. Yeah, I pretty much, I pretty much don't trust him right now. It's because you haven't seen the truth of this. And my prayer for you this morning is that you would, that you would see the truth of this. He loves you so much. He's not done with you. But Mark, you don't understand. It wasn't that he failed me. I failed him. I stumbled. He's not done yet. Are you breathing? He's not done yet. Feeling, pick you up, clean you up. Say, come on, little girl, we can do this. Come on, little boy, we can do this. And when the great tribulation comes, if it's upon us, community of faith, you're gonna be ready when you learn how to do that kedging. I'll keep moving forward in the promises of God. Some of you, you're gonna be betrayed. Some of you are gonna die as martyrs. And some of you are gonna fall on your face and feel like you failed God. But if you stepped into this journey with Jesus, he's not letting go. He's got you. So right now, wherever you are in that right now, he sees your heart. Highest platitudes, I hate those things. Don't you just tell me, yeah, I know God never lies. Let's get real. I'm so mad at you, God, right now. God, how could you let this happen to me? How could you let my family of origin be that? How could you let that man or that woman that I married, how could you let them do that? Look at my kids. I'm so freaked out about my kids right now. It's going, little girl, little boy, I got you. I got you. I've got you. And see, here's the amazing thing. And I asked the band to come and sing this for us here right at the end because I want you to know this. It's not over. There will be a day. There will be a day. And it might not be so far away as we've been thinking. There will be a day. So what I want you to do as they sing this song over you, I just sit where you are and let it just roll over you. And you can just stay in that mode if you want to, letting it roll over you, feel it, know it, embrace it. But let me tell you something. If you think you need to stand and say, well, I'm gonna stand on this. I'm gonna stand on the promises. I'm gonna stand on your character. I'm gonna stand on the very person of you, Heavenly Father. I'm your little 
girl. I'm your little son. I choose to believe you in the midst of whatever's going on. I choose to believe you. If we're in the beginning of the great tribulation, I choose to believe you no matter what happens. I will choose to believe you. And even when I fall on my face, I know, I believe you'll pick me up and we'll finish. I will finish. Not because of me and what's inside of me, but because of you. Because you promised, you swore. I swear by myself, little girl. I'll never let you go. I swear by myself, son of mine. I'll never let you go and there'll be a day that we see it, that we're there together. Listen to this and then I'll come back and close this. Don't go anywhere. This is for you. I've prayed about this song. We prayed on Wednesday night about this song for you, that it would bring that belief into your heart. I look forward to seeing you next week. We're gonna find out how we can bring the feel of that day into our moment right now. So whatever you're going through, I don't want you to miss next week. Bring some friends with you if they need it. It's gonna be an amazing time as we stand together on the promises of God in the midst of whatever is going on right now and whatever is coming. And we're gonna be ready. I love you, community of faith. Pray for you all the time. Join us Wednesday night if you wanna be a part of that. There's gonna be some people up here to pray for you right now. God's gonna work some miracles for some of you that come up here. I love you. You have a great weekend.